Hey, readers and writers. Welcome to episode 126 of Read and Write. Today we're talking to Beth Lee about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Beth is the author of ABCs of APA Style, and she's also the co-host Made for TV Movie Club podcast. Hi, Beth. So tell me about your writing. Well, I wrote a textbook several years ago called the ABC C's of APA style. Mm-hmm. I teach um, co- I teach college level composition courses mostly. I do teach some business classes, and okay. I've taught literary literary theory, which most students hate but love at the end of it because they're glad they made it through that. But um, <laughs> in all my years of teaching, I always had students say, "What? I don't understand APA style. I don't know how to do it." And you know, we're English majors, so we don't really haven't used M- APA because we're MLA, but I right. teach both. So I wrote this textbook sort of in response to that for my students, like mm-hmm. took all the questions that they've always asked me and sort of try to put it into this beginner's guide. So that's really um, why I wrote that textbook. And I think it's a beginner guide. So it's really okay. for high school and college students. It has so, been a long time since I've used either of those. Can you refresh my memory? What's the difference? <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Uh, um, APA is the uh, the it's social uh, like the I don't even know American Psychological Association. So it's usually like psychiatrists, science, those kinds of research okay. areas use APA, and then it suddenly makes sense. Humanities, you English, like you yeah, English majors. So that's why you didn't use it that much. Okay, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, okay. yeah, English uh, English majors usually use MLA. It's uh-huh. it's a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say it's easier, but it's a little bit different because mostly what English majors do is write papers about English and the APA style is really for people who kind of, I mean, anybody can use it. Anybody really can. But once you start getting into higher level courses where you're doing research, that's mm-hmm. where the APA comes in. Okay. So that's why I teach it. So typically, because I have all majors in my classes, so mm-hmm. typically I teach both. Because okay. some students will use APA and then some will use MLA. Okay. Okay. Makes, makes, makes sense. Now that you've explained it, like yeah. my, my brain is like <laughs> recalling early college years and I'm like, yes. Okay. This is, I can understand this now, but yes, you're yeah. having flashbacks to freshman year when you have to write that paper on uh-huh. Frankenstein. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it had been a long time since I read Frankenstein. Actually, it, it had gotten to a point like halfway through the book. I was like, did I even finish this? I don't remember yeah, this part. Me too. Yeah. yeah. And I also, when I was reading it, I thought, I don't think I really took the characters as seriously as I did when I read it this time, maybe. Okay. Like I felt like, I guess to be more clear, like I really felt for the for the monster. Mm-hmm. I was really touched by how eloquent he was, right? And how passionate. And I don't think I felt that way before when I read it. I, I have a feeling that, and like I said, it's been a long time, and I don't even remember when I read I read it before. But I feel like maybe it was like for a course requirement, so I wasn't again taking yeah. anything seriously, like if, especially if I'm talking like freshman year in college. Um, yeah. So, but looking back on it, like at my age and then reading it, knowing what I know about it, it did totally have like a different like veneer to it that I hadn't expected. Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think like you, I think I can't remember the last time I read it. I haven't, I haven't read it like for fun or anything in my adulthood 
So it probably would have been back in maybe in grad school I read mm-hmm. it because I I know I read uh, Moby Dick and Dracula then. So I feel like that would have been the last time I read it. Yeah, about the same time period. You probably would have been lumped together, maybe in a class sort of reading, something like that. Yeah, probably some classics course or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't a long read. It it. No. It took me about three days, a couple hours a day to get through it. But I did struggle in some points because I'm I'm not used to reading the classics all that much. So all like the exposition and description was just like brain numbing to me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I was in fact it's funny you say that because I was kind of explaining it to my husband and I said you know, there's a lot of really beautiful stuff happening, but before you get to that, and I kind of put my arm up and I'm like, it was kind of like this, honey. Hark, I must tell you this story, but first (laughs) I must tell you why I'm telling you this story. And then the background (laughs) to that. (laughs) And here's my family's history and where they, like their origins, where their family came. It was, yeah, there's a lot of exposition shoved into this thing. Yeah, and I don't remember if that's common for for novels of the time I feel like it kind of is yeah but I don't remember because I don't know how many I how many I've read from that period that is that is a period I don't generally read from like if I'm going to read a classic it's going to be a more I want to say like more modern classic than like Frankenstein the Dracula uh something a little little more like Jane Austen or something like I'm pretty familiar with that yeah but like, yeah, Frank- yes. Frankenstein was kind of out of my wheelhouse and it was, it was definitely interesting. Uh, I actually had to look up the word for the type of novel it was because like my husband and I were talking like, what's that word when there's like a novel, like a story within a story within a story or told via, told via like letters or something. It's epistolary, by the way. We oh, had to look yeah, yeah. Up. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I wasn't really thinking about that. Yeah, it's like it was it was like I'm sitting next to him reading it and it was driving both of us nuts that we couldn't remember what type of story it was called. It epistolary is a what is it? It's a story told by like correspondence or letters to someone else, like journal entries, diaries, letters, that kind of thing. Yeah, I just I heard that term again recently because I'm taking a creative writing class and we had to read a short story and that and then the uh, instructor was like, yeah, it's an epistolary. And I'm like, oh gosh, I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> well, now you heard it again. <laughs> this short story was written just maybe a couple of years ago. So it's a little newer <laughs> than this one, but yes, that's a good point. And I think that's interesting too, because I was, because it's framed with the letter, like the letter at the beginning and the letters at the end. And and then I was like, yeah, but the whole thing's kind of a letter because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he wrote it all down. It was so weird. And then because- I went, Oh no! I'm oh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to jump in there, but I was just thinking it's no, it was ahead. so no, weird. It was like um, it was like a Russian doll. It was letters from a guy to his sister, and then he meets this guy, and this guy is telling him the story of his life. And then inside that story, the monster—well, the guy happens to be Frankenstein, who's telling the story of his life. Um, so there's this guy writing letters to his sister and then he meets Frankenstein who decides to tell him his life story including all his history and his family's history and where they came from but then (laughs) starts Frankenstein's talking to the monster and then the monster is telling Frankenstein his life story so it was like just nested inside each other 
and it took a while for my brain to back back out of the layers of it again. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and I found myself, if I had to stop reading for a little bit, I had to come back and I, even when I was sort of taking notes, I'd be like, okay, this is Victor, this is the monster, just <laughs> uh-huh. to read myself, where we are, who's talking. Exactly. If you just open it up and look at a page, you're not always sure who's because talking it's, yeah, because... It's always first person. Yes. Yes. That's and so very it, confusing. it is a little confusing. Yes. And it makes me wonder, like, how do high, did, do high school students, do they have difficulty keeping track of all of that? Because a lot of high school students read it. I mm-hmm. guess a lot of college students. So I, I just found myself trying to, trying to, you're right, like you were saying, figure out where we were all the time in the story. And then I have to remind myself, okay, so this is, this is Victor. And this is the mom, you know, uh-huh. and then, oh, wait, now who's telling the story again? And, exactly. And then he, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit overwhelming at times, but like when, um, when Robert is, is talking too, it's, it's, to me, that's also strange. Like, I wonder why she chose to have Robert telling so the story. Removed. Like, yeah. Yes. And it's, I, I mean it's an interesting way to frame it. And I wonder if that was something that came later because of the, uh, because she wanted to make it a novel length or, mm-hmm. or how that works. Cause if you take him out of it, the story still exists. Right. He's only there at the beginning and, of the end for just a little bit. Yeah. And it's in, I thought it was interesting too, that he, like it sort of starts out with him writing his sister saying, I, I really want a friend. Mm-hmm. And then he, that he sort of gets that, that, I mean, I guess I don't know if they become friends, but I feel like they do, Robert and um, I think Robert Victor feels Frankenstein. like Victor is his friend. I don't know if Victor yes. uh, is, feels the same way, but I, I remember at yeah, the end true. that Robert does call him my friend or like he, he lost his friend. He, he definitely worded it in a way that made me feel like he considered Victor to be his friend. How long? Now I have to Which remember. Which is interesting, I don't considering that the monster is always just looking also for a friend. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of the sad part, right? Mm-hmm. That Robert desires a friend, and they both the monster wanted to be Victor's a friend. friend, and Victor was just kind of like, nope. <laughs> I know. I can't. I and I wonder if maybe she brought Robert in to sort of help because Victor. I mean, he. He did some kind of bad things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, well, like creating the monster and then sort of letting the monster get away and then running from the monster and then mm-hmm. not telling anybody that he created a monster who is out mm-hmm. to, you know, murder him. But he didn't know how dangerous the monster would be to other people. Right. So well, I mean, did, at did, one point he did know because the monster had then like murdered three people or something. That's true. I mean, I think he knew as soon as William was was murdered but I think when initially when that all happened he was fo- feeling so sorry for himself mm-hmm. at, at what he had done that he he just I I guess he just wasn't aware of how dangerous um the monster was until William was killed yeah I don't think I don't think Victor felt that the monster meant anything like he created it. He gave it life. Which can I backtrack and just for, say for a second how yeah. unusual that was? Like in every film adaptation of Frankenstein, you see it's this big lead up. I made it's alive, you know that the classic. Yeah. But in the book, 
it's like a couple of paragraphs and like it's just like he had he was at his work that's all they called it like his occupation and you don't even yeah. realize what he's doing until victor says then then the creature opened its eyes like that was very sudden and stark and it was just like wait what is that the is that the yeah. monster like it caught yeah. me completely by surprise yeah and i i really i wish that there was more description of that mm -hmm. and more description of like just how the monster looked or what pieces he used or how he put uh -huh. the monster to together like what well, he didn't what even were say they? that he used different body parts like that's not even in the novel no i know it's not and there's really and like when you I, see I the, wonder, like, all the descriptions in the hollywood yeah i mean it had to be because one thing I found really interesting, I don't know if I can find it very quickly, but mm -hmm. in there is a section in here where the only real description of the monster is uh, at the end he talks when Robert about, sees him. Yeah, whereas yeah, and he says his his hands look like mummy hands. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm I gotta figure out what page that is on, but you know where I'm talking about. It. Yes, right. Yes. It's towards yeah, the end. It's towards the end. It's like the last couple pages when Robert has taken back over the narrative, oh, yes. writing letters back to his sister. Yeah, on my in my book, it's on page 207 where he says, as he hung over the coffin, his face was concealed by long lots locks of ragged hair. Mm -hmm. But one vast but one vast head, hand was extended in color and apparent texture like that of a mummy. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's interesting because I thought, well, in any of the depictions you see him, he doesn't look like a mummy and his hands just don't really look like right. a mummy hands. And the classic Halloween so costume has him be green. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And but they never they never really give any I don't remember any other description and I was trying to find notes for that. What does a mummy's hand look like really? All I can think well, is like I mean, shriveled to, skin to on bones. Be, yeah. And I wonder if that's like maybe because he had used like decomposed body parts. Mm -hmm. That's why or decomposed it would look body like because we don't know what was body parts. Yeah, because we don't know, yeah, because mm -hmm. they don't really specifically say throughout. So it's interesting how Hollywood is depicted and it almost seems like whatever the original Frankenstein film was they've built off of that for everything they've right. done since except you know I was struck by have you watched um the show I think it's the Showtime show Penny Dreadful are you familiar with no that I have part? not seen that one no I well, haven't seen that having one. read Frankenstein I think you should check that out because um I had a I had a friend recommend it to me a couple of years ago I think it's on Netflix now um okay. I think it was Showtime but I think it's on Netflix now um that is so far the most re accurate portrayal of Frankenstein that I've seen in a film adaptation I mean okay. it isn't body parts it's uh Victor creates him in his apartment um apartments i guess and they actually have the the monster going briefly to like the arctic it's 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 so oh, far really? the most accurate portrayal of a frankenstein monster that i've seen yeah i feel like sometimes when they do talk about when they make the films and stuff they don't haven't really read the book yeah they just <laughs> or, have the story. or like their reference is just whatever re movies earlier uh -huh. are so i think that's a little bit deceit not deceitful but deceptive or mm -hmm. you know unless when you read the book but there's really nothing to work from but what's interesting is because now henry then comes later and helps him henry helps him victor move out of his apartment correct i think it was henry correct but he doesn't say and then they say that he they closed down the the lab or whatever the mm -hmm. room was next to his but they you know henry isn't like oh 
there were all these body parts or all this weird stuff. Like he didn't right. go in the room and think something weird was happening. Mm-hmm. So it's almost it like, like well, a how chemistry did he experience. It? Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't a big table with, you know, electrodes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Cause it, because you like you were saying earlier, they don't explain how he created. I'm sure that that was because she doesn't know how to, you know, right. Yeah. Uh, Mary Shelley doesn't know how to create one. So, I mean, but, but I actually like that. Cause I think that even if she knew his imagination. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I think that's good. And because there's, there's so much description of everything. I mean, that's, what's interesting, right? We don't get a description of the monster, but we know what um, the monster's friends in that little shack all look like, mm-hmm. yep. you know, he goes in great descriptions of all of, of all of them. But we don't know what the monster looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting, I think that's interesting. And I, I'm sure she probably did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I wish we could ask her. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read someplace a couple of years back how it was, um, I want to say allegory, but I'm not sure that's the correct word. But um, like, clearly the mon- monster is like Victor's past sins coming back to revisit him. Um and also my husband was mentioning something how he thought that it the story was supposed to be some kind of satire on what was then modern science oh that's an interesting thought now i have to think about that for a minute i like that i mean mary shelley was very 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 bright Mm -hmm. and very educated for a woman during that period which isn't surprising considering she came from money and her mother was a fairly famous feminist writer Although she didn't have a relationship with her, I think she died very soon after Mary Shelley was uh, born. You did your I, homework more I than I, I did. I didn't. I didn't think to look up um, Mary Shelley's personal history. I'll tell you this: this this beautiful copy I have has a lot of that in oh, the yeah? beginning of it. So that's how I knew. Yeah, that's, there's like a little timeline <laughs> in here. My library copy like, did not have all that. Yeah. No, I actually wanted to pick up a copy because I knew I'd have to write, make notes in it. But yes, mm-hmm. it says Mary, Mary Wollstonecrafts, A Vindication of Rights of Woman is published. So that's Mary Shelley's mother mm-hmm. in 1792. This early feminist work argues that women need to be better educated and use reason more than feelings if they're good to be good wives and mothers. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think she must have made um, an impression back then. So I would think so. Yeah. With those words. Yeah. And it's interesting that because people have said, or I read that, you know, people said, well, the women are just sort of props in this book, but I actually didn't think so. I mean, maybe they weren't as well drawn out, but I felt like they were very important to the men in the story. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like Elizabeth, Victor loved her and he talked highly of her and he wanted he to marry her. And she takes, takes up a good deal of description in the story. So I think she yeah, was a fairly lovely important. and quiet. She was, I did, I did have some problems yeah. with Elizabeth as a character because it seemed like he admired her more than from afar than actually interacting with her. I guess they did have their whole childhood and that, that is a little weird, but I get it. People grew up together. They, they can marry. Um, yeah. But so I guess he did have all that interaction with her. But as an adult, during the course of the story, she was just like this removed object that he regarded without actually interacting with. That's true. And, and it's it's also strange that she was like, OK, I'll marry you, even though we really haven't spent any time together and you haven't bothered to write. Mm-hmm. I'll marry you because you know that's what, I mean? what uh, my guardians and your parents expected. 
Like, I yes. guess, I guess it seems like maybe they were told basically from the beginning, since they were small children together, that you two are going to get hitched at some point. Yeah. This is, this is your future mate. Yeah. And I think they both agreed to that. And then when they did get married, obviously tragedy ensued mm-hmm. quite quickly, um, which I think Victor was expecting the monster to kill him. I don't think he was expecting the monster to kill Elizabeth. That was kind of how I read yeah, it. Yeah, I, I picked up on that too. It felt like Victor was worried about himself and he didn't think, think to consider about other people around him, even though the monster had been killing other people around him. Yes. I think that Victor kind of, that's kind of how Victor went through life. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thinking about himself and uh-huh. not people around him. Victor was a selfish character. <laughs> He was very selfish, and I wonder if that's why they framed Robert to make to soften the blow of Victor. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't, of all the characters in this book, I actually really like the monster the most. <laughs> I mean, I just thought he was like he was eloquent, and I actually felt really sad for him when he's like uh-huh. when, during one of one of the long when one of the very long monologues he has mm-hmm. when he's talking about uh, when he's telling the story about how he went to go see the old man and that did not yes, go well that's exactly what popped in my head too right the, the blind old guy and he was like oh i want to be your i want to be this, these people's friends but they're not going to like me will you help me and it was actually him and his family he wanted to be friends with and yeah, yeah. and it was also interesting because i was like um if some dude knocked on my door and said, I'm trying to make a friend, can you help me? Surprise, it's you. <laughs> I'd be a little unnerved by that, no matter how the guy looked. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely be like, okay, serial killer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, it, Clearly, it's, yes. Well, it turns killer. out he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I found that really interesting. And I, because he really kind of was like, stalking them Uh you know obviously obviously you know that's that's today's ideology put onto that but Mm -hmm. still it's it it felt so strange to me when he was like talking about how he would spend his days like just watching them Mm -hmm. it's creepy right it's a little like oh but then then but then it's like you wonder okay so the monster has this really he's he's very he's very bright he's very sensitive he has obviously has emotions like humans do but yet everybody casts him away because of his looks and i think that's really interesting because i think that's something that still happens today mm-hmm. you know i think sometimes people just base base what they want to on people on how they look rather than what's inside mm-hmm. so i think that Mary Shelley must have been trying to make a statement that way. Right. And I also think she might have been pointing something out like a the monster's like humanity's like base instinct also because the monster woke up with no recollection of who he was before. He basically had yes. to learn everything all over including language. He yeah. spoke French because the family he was stalking spoke French. That's how he learned language. And like the thing that struck me was when he came upon the the little boy, the little brother. Um, I don't remember his name right now. Was it William? The little boy. William was yeah. William was the little yeah, boy who the, the was little, killed the first. Brother. The brother. Yes. Um, yeah. He was basically going. He basically decided to kidnap this little boy, and force him to be his friend because the, he figured the little boy wouldn't have the social 
stigma against how the monster looked. But of course, the little boy was terrified of the monster and then the monster accidentally killed him. Yeah. He wanted him to be quiet and put his hand around his throat and somehow strangled him with handed. Yeah. And then, but then he had the, 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 then he stole the necklace Mm -hmm. and, and let's see, I think now, was it Juliet? Was that, was that the, the girl's name? No, Um, but the the maid, what was her name? Um, The maid. Yeah. I don't remember her name. Um, No, I don't either. But But for some reason he pinned it on her. Yeah. And I, but I don't think maybe that was his intention either because didn't he, he found her sleeping in the (laughs) barn and I think he found her very attractive. And I think he thought maybe I'll try and be friends with her when she wakes up. And then it was like leaving her, I guess, realize. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think it was intentional. I don't know. I assume it was like a locket. He takes a necklace with a portrait. Yeah. I assume Elizabeth inside it. Yeah. Uh, or maybe the mother. It could have also been the mother. It might have been the mother. I don't but remember. Actually, but actually, mother I think makes more the sense mother. that the little boy would have a locket of his a portrait of his mother in it. Yeah, um, that, that's true. Uh, and then, so he comes upon the, the maid sleeping in the barn because she got caught out at night and didn't have anywhere else to go. And he puts the locket, the necklace, like on her dress. And then, yes. like, was he, like, leaving her a gift? Like, look at this pretty thing. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Or, I, I didn't understand why he did that. Like, either he was trying no. to connect the two, because that's obviously what happened. The maid was accused of the little boy's murder because she had the locket. Um, I don't know if he was, I don't know if the monster had it in his, it could have, could have thought that through to pin yeah, it on her. I don't think intentionally. he did. Yeah. Because I think he, I think he sort of panicked when he killed William. I think later on he didn't feel regret about it mm-hmm. because he, you know, it was it was Victor's brother. So I think that for him it was like revenge. Right. But I don't think in the mo, I don't think in the moment that was what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say like what. Well, he would have no, he would have had he was no trying. idea what the maid's connection was to the family. No, no, not at all. And he wouldn't, and he wouldn't have known that that was going to end up causing her death as well. Mm-hmm. There was no way to know that because she could have found that locket just if she had just by chance stuck her hand in her pocket, she would have found the locket, you know? So I don't think there was an intention there at the time anyway. I I just, I guess I don't understand why he did that. Like either it was like to make friends with you or here's this thing that this little boy I killed, please find him. You know, that's that's the other possibility my brain was thinking of was like, yeah, that that makes sense too. Yeah, that that makes sense. It's just it was sad. I just felt it's the, that that whole that whole thing with William was really sad. I just mm-hmm. didn't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I, I, the other yeah, thing about the four-year-old, I did not like that. <laughs> no, right? I mean, it's just like I just, and I, I just had, saw my own son's face. <laughs> just like, oh no, this isn't good. <laughs> I will tell you that I didn't even remember that happening when I reread it. Hmm it kind of took me by surprise a little bit because I thought, gosh, I don't, I don't remember that. And maybe it's just because when I read it last, I was focused on something else or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but I was like, oh gosh, I forgot that happened. I forgot that the monster kind of killed everybody <laughs> around. <laughs> I don't know how I, I forgot it, but <laughs> I remembered the monster. I, I remembered a little boy dying and, but that also could have been probably maybe from a movie, but like, I definitely had pieces of the book where I was just like, 
I don't think I read this. Like, did I just skip <laughs> over a bunch of stuff like in college reading this? Like, or did I do like the, the Cliff Notes version back in like 1999? Yeah. I I don't I don't remember because uh, I like I said I don't remember exactly when I read it but I I I know I read it I just was like <laughs> oh okay oh I forgot that happened but I might have been just because everything because almost when you when you talk about it or you hear about it or you know even like classrooms I don't I, I feel like everybody just talks about the monster and Victor and that's it mm-hmm. like you forget there's other characters right. or maybe it's because the movies that we've seen or. Right. Or, or, or that also you kind of add thing. the character Igor, who never existed in the book. Yeah, that's right. Or the people call the monster Frankenstein, which isn't true because, right. you know, they're separate people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I so now I, having completely as an adult read, read the story, I can understand why people call the monster Frankenstein. Just because yeah, he's I mean, never actually, given another name. Yeah, and you know what? Technically, I mean... Victor could have named him Frankenstein, like, you know, because it's that's his given name. Mm-hmm. He could have given it to the monster because he created I don't him, know. I guess. Yeah, because he created it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and I wonder if things had gone differently, how, what, what would have happened? But just thinking through that doesn't make sense because you're taking like a dead body and trying to reanimate it. Mm-hmm. H- how do you think that's going to look? Right. You know, I mean, how did he think? that was gonna work because uh, well, i think that go- falls back on victor being selfish victor did not think that far ahead victor just wanted that achievement of having done it he didn't actually consider the consequences no you're right you're right you're right he didn't actually consider it and i think and i wonder if that's why like something bad happens around victor and then he becomes very very ill for a very long period of time mm-hmm. and so is that like his guilt coming out or because mm-hmm. he got sick a lot in this book he did he was a very sickly man very and it but it always seemed to be in direct response to his own actions mm-hmm. you know creating the monster he gets sick and um I'm trying to think of all of the other times because then when he's in, I forget where they were, where Henry had to, was he in London when Henry had to nurse? Oh no, was that his apartment? No, that was at his apartment. I think when Henry first came. Oh, the first time Henry came and found him and cleaned up the apartments with him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he got sick. And then I think he said he was sick for like months. Mm Mm-hmm. That first time, and like, yeah, poor was, Henry was didn't even get to go to school. Or depression, or like, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, clearly, uh, it seems like it was like the monster, like I said, manif- what manifested something in his past, and then he just dwelled on it and made himself sick yeah. over it. Yeah, I kind of felt like that. What's interesting about this book is it's, it's a smaller read. It's not a terribly long, Mm-mm. 200 plus pages, but it, it takes place over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know exactly how long. Right. Because they very, just say, like, oh, month here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, since it's told like in a third hand recollection, it is hard to grasp how much time actually passed. I was trying to figure out how much time it took, how much time they were on the, on the ship stranded by the ice. Because how long would it take to tell the story and then write it down? Mm-hmm by hand every word if i remember correctly they set out with late spring summer when the the waters would have been thawed enough and then in september i remember specifically september is when it cracked and they were able to leave again okay at least yeah like i'd say maybe half a year ish 
Yeah. So that's a fairly long period of time. Mm-hmm. To Although be you don't, you don't know when like Victor came on board the ship. You do. All, no. all I know is that they left like early summer, late spring, but they were also doing their, I don't know, whatever they're doing, Arctic voyage towards the North Pole, which yeah, yeah. we know that was a foolish endeavor. He's not going to get there by ship. Um, yeah. So we don't know when he met Victor along that period of time. That's true. That's true. It, it's interesting, though, because he wrote it all by hand, uh, you know, according to the story. Right. But it's also interesting because it's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to copy these letters that he wrote and then copy all the stuff down and all. <laughs> There's so much he wrote down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Did he though? <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings that brings a thought. I wonder if Mary Shelley framed it that way because she made Robert, I don't know, like this important heir of his uncle or something. So he basically, I think he was like a titled something at that point. So maybe Mary Shelley wrote it in the way that maybe the public might actually try to believe it since it came from a member of the quote unquote peerage. Oh, oh yeah. Like that, it that's could like point. maybe that urban legend might they, they might try to spin something that this was released like this actually existed the names have been changed or something like that I don't know I, I'm just thinking out loud now yeah I mean it's just an interesting it's an interesting way to have done it so but and I liked it I mean I, I liked it but it, it there's a lot of characters and there's a lot mm-hmm. to keep track of in, in the story so much description even though it is so there's so much description <laughs> and descriptions within description and, and narrative within narrative and uh-huh. yeah it's 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 confusing almost mm-hmm. and i and when i first started reading with the letters i was keeping track of time i'm like okay so this is three months later this is six months later uh-huh. and then i just wasn't anymore because all of a sudden he goes well, he to drops college the letter and now format it, at some point and just is like here's the story yeah. that victor told me yeah, I'm going to tell you the story, but the but the the story he tells is still kind of a letter because it's 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 told right. to Robert from Victor. Uh-huh. So Robert wrote down what Victor told him, and then he sent it to his sister. So in that sense, it's still a letter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he must have sent her like a whole diary at that point. Just wrapped the whole thing she, up in paper yeah. and shipped it out. She probably got this whole thing and was like. Are you okay? Because right. you didn't answer are that you on part. Drugs? <laughs> like, did you actually you? take this ship? Or are you in an opium house somewhere? Right? Are you really up there stuck? Because I'm starting to think something else is going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just um, it's it's interesting uh, the way that she frames it with the letters. I I kind of like that sometimes in the story, so I didn't mind it, but it it does get confusing. Mm-hmm. It does I add thought. an element of, uh, I don't know, almost surrealism, just that because it is so far removed from yourself, you are wondering, did this happen? But then your th- brain's thinking, well, it could have. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just interesting. It's There's a lot to think about, even though it's not a terribly long story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, I just want to know what he looks like and what he used and mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like what made him so awful? Did he look like he was a corpse that was revived? And why was his hair long? Because would it have grown or was it already there? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Which is kind of what made me think, oh, if he's mummified and his hair is long, did he just use a body? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. And I hair, isn't there that thing with hair and fingernails that keep growing as long as the cells are still active? And it takes a while for all the cells to die in a body. So the hair and the nails still grow at least temporarily on a dead body. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I don't know exactly, but um, that's probably something that she might know. Or maybe she didn't. Yeah. And she or maybe she didn't that. know. I'm just interjecting my own idea on top of it. Yeah, or yeah, or she may have just not known it, but she, you know, it's mm-hmm. her story, so she can say whatever she wants. Right. <laughs> kind of, kind and of thought. M- maybe, you know? maybe the long dark hair was just a way of obscuring his features while he looked at the coffin. I mean, that's there is true. That. That's true. Yeah, because it seems like she was trying to always obscure his face, because because it was so hideous. I suppose. I, well, I mean, even he saw it in, uh-huh. that, in that reflection and he thought he was like, oh no, this is what I look like. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was actually wondering if he actually was hideous because your only your only viewpoint of the monster for a long time is just Victor's viewpoint of the monster, right? And Victor is so disgusted by what he created that he automatically calls it disgusting and horrid. And I don't, I can't remember all the words he used, but basically he was really like, grossed out by it like he just didn't want anything to do with the with the monster and i was actually wondering if because the monster when the monster i don't know woke up became alive he grabbed one of victor's like jackets or shirts or something and it had some of victor's notes in the pocket so he was able to pull that out and read what victor thought of him and in that, Victor was saying, like, this is this is foul, this is disgusting. I was wondering, actually, if the monster was putting that on himself because that's how Victor saw him. But then that, that theory kind of got point. blown out a bit when other people saw his face and thought it was disgusting. But that could just be a dead body slowly decomposing. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, though, that you make about about um, the reading the letters and then finding that Victor found him the looking like that mm-hmm. because up till then it wasn't until after that that he that other people saw him right like you know and it's interesting though because when to be repulsive and i know like there is that thing like if you don't feel good about yourself other people are also going to pick up on that i mean obviously to only to a certain degree but like you don't feel good about yourself you don't take care of yourself and then that just you know kind of snowballs in the image you present to the world that's true. And then, but then when he sees himself in that reflection and he's like, oh my gosh, do I really look like this? I'm like, what? That's an interesting thing. Like the first time you would see your own face, would you think it's ugly? I mean, but I guess he would be comparing it to the people in the house. That's true. People he saw, but also he knows that Victor finds this face repulsive. Yeah. So he's also layering that on top of it. I mean, it probably was, but you're right. He he is comparing it against the very lovely faces of the family that he's stalking. Yeah, and then I'm trying to think. So when they when the the men on the ship see him, see the monster, do they are they repulsed or are they just like or do they think it's another? Do they think no. it's an ant? Because when I was when I read that, I felt like I'm seeing that Bigfoot footage. You know, I'm like <laughs> right. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Here's here's Bigfoot in you know up in the Arctic on the snow, kind of just la la along with a dog sled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know in my head there was no dog sled. It was just him oh. walking. I don't know why. I mean, I know he was on a dog right. sled, but just like my first my first vision of that. But and I know they were startled seeing him, but I. I well, I was I wondering, just, did the men on the ship actually see him? I I know they saw him from afar across the ice. 
But yeah. I know Robert saw him at the end when Victor had died, but did the men also see him? Maybe just from afar. Yeah. But they weren't, they didn't recognize him as a man though. They recognize, but they, they rec, but he was on a dog sled so that they, he had to, you know what he I mean? Like he had man, to yeah. have been a man. I remember they yeah. like, tried to like get his attention and he just kind of kept going. I remember that part. Yeah. But at the end, I only remember Robert seeing him and like jumping out the window onto the like the waiting dog sled. He like he's like jumping out of a moving ship onto a dog sled into the sheet of ice below. Yeah. And were there any dogs left by this point? Because Robert had lost. No. All but one dog. Um, Victor. Victor yeah, had Victor lost, had lost all, all but one dog. dog. Which the yeah. dog lover in me went, uh, did, what'd they do with the dog? Did they bring the dog aboard? How's this dog well, that's doing? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell no, me. I, I don't, don't want to know, know any other alternative. <laughs> in my happy mind, yeah. they brought the dog aboard. The dog is happy. The dog is warm. And that that's as far as my brain is willing to go. Exactly. Because I was like, what do you mean there's one left? I mean, I was going to have mm-hmm. a... a- crying because I'm I, I'm the same way as you I think in that regard <laughs> I don't like I don't like that stuff <laughs> no. as I speak my big dog's behind me farting profusely <laughs> <laughs> my dog's upstairs and I tell my husband you need to make sure to be home so that he's not barking the whole time he's a barker <laughs> this is also why I wear the headphones because if even if he's barking you can't hear him then but yeah he's a barker he's a cutie <laughs> but he's a barker <laughs> oh mine's a barker too he's just also a farter <laughs> going off slightly on a tangent before we come back to Frankenstein I was doing another recording with um with with another guest and he was behind me he likes to sleep behind my chair and he farts in his sleep and the fart was so bad my eyes started to water and I tried to pass it off (laughs) as I was laughing so hard I was like oh I'm tearing up here (laughs) it was totally just the obnoxious smell in my house it was awful you're like you I don't have smell a vision for you people. Right. <laughs> It'd be like my, a my dark last green cloud a... over here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like seeing gray smoke kind of coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, that would be good. That would be good tonight for this talk, right? Yeah, right. Gray smoke around us. <laughs> there seemed to be a lot of electric, a lot of storms and stuff happening, and I think there was some fog. <laughs> I feel like there was fog. <laughs> I, had, I had a full day of rain. I think we had like a the remnants of a tropical storm just coming up the eastern seaboard and I just had a full day of like pouring rain like I went down and checked my basement a couple times it was raining that hard we had that a couple weeks ago but it was actually quite nice here today and 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 cool which is my favorite Mm. nice and cool I like that I keep um yeah like not yelling at my husband I more yell at Alexa like I want it to be cold why is it still 70 degrees I want to wear (laughs) socks and a sweatshirt and he laughs at me. I know, like, me too. Yeah, the other day I was wearing shorts. Today I had sweat sweatpants on because mm. it's it's cool. It's much cooler. I like it. I was down in down in Milwaukee today, uh, and um, it's it was beautiful because we're right by the. We always say cooler by the lake if you live in in the Midwest, um, Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's always much cooler, and it was just gorgeous down there today. It was beautiful. It's about forty five minutes from where I live, so I try to get down there as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you find Frankenstein to be scary at all? No, I, I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was scary. Even when they were talking about like the bad weather and the, Mm -hmm. um, the storms and things like that. I just, no, I didn't feel fearful. I, I mean, I guess I felt a little fearful, like, 
around the murders, like like on on the honeymoon night or the wedding night. Mm-hmm. But I didn't I didn't feel actual fear. Okay. I see. I didn't either. And it's weird. I was actually talking to someone independently of before this, and they happened to mention that Frankenstein was one of the scariest books they had ever read. Really? Yeah. And I was like, as I'm reading, I'm going. Because when they said that, it's like, oh, well, I haven't, I actually plan on rereading it. I haven't done it yet. Um, and so as I'm rereading it again this week, I'm like, I, I am I am not scared by this. I'm just, maybe it's the writer brain in me, but I am overwhelmed by the exposition and the description to be scared. Yeah, I, I just, it, that's funny because this class that I'm taking, um, this writing, creating writing class, the instructor is a horror writer. So I'm mm-hmm. actually reading... Um, the best horror of the year. Okay. And there's some scary stuff in here <laughs> compared to, I think, I think maybe for the time that was probably very scary today. Writers take, I think much bigger chances for, mm-hmm. for fear and things like that. But, um, they're less concerned no, with social taboo and just more like just get into your psyche and scare the crap out of you. Exactly. But I didn't feel like that. And I, and I don't remember, I think I've seen like one Frankenstein movie, but those always seem kind of comical to me more mm-hmm. than scary. Yep. You Almost know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it is. It, and, but I didn't feel that it was scary, but I think it is considered horror and science fiction. It is. I yeah. I, I think down. at yeah. least I'm pretty sure it's considered classic horror. Yeah. And I, and Gothic science fiction. So that too would indicate the Gothic would indicate that it should be scary, but Mm -hmm. it it wasn't to me. I didn't feel that way. And I don't remember feeling that way when I've read it previously either, but I, I don't feel like I felt like Dracula was scary either. Right. When, so maybe it's just because more scary than the actual novel of, of Dracula. Yeah. I think cause Dracula is a little bit more of a mind fear because you don't really know what's happening and there's mm-hmm. a lot of weird stuff i mean not that frankenstein isn't doesn't have weird stuff going on it's just a little more um i think outright than than sort of dracula i read dracula I don't know, three years ago for some i don't know why just for fun <laughs> i guess <laughs> that's a long book <laughs> uh, it has also been a while since i read dracula but i know i read that one but it has been several years yeah, and I really like Dracula. It's just a long book, <laughs> but yeah. Frankenstein. I no, I it, I didn't think it was scary, and mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I've ever met or talked to anybody who did think it was scary. I never really, hmm. I never really thought about that. Yeah, uh, and nobody, nobody. I've said I'm reading it, and I was doing the podcast with you. Nobody that I mentioned it to said, "Oh my gosh, that scared me so much." Yeah, I was, I was really taken aback by that because I didn't consider. I mean, it's it's an older story, so I don't think many modern people would find it scary, but they were comparing it to like Stephen King, it like scary, and I don't know, maybe if I read it like high or something, I don't know, but yeah, no, Stephen King, it is scary. I haven't, I haven't read like, it, but I've read several. I've read several Stephen Kings, and they are scary, but yeah, they are. But I think I think part of it is. In in a, in the modern writing, we don't have as much maybe exposition as Frankenstein mm-hmm. did. You yeah, know, it I mean, like st- the, it seems like the older ones they're like more subtle, scary. Like they're relying yeah. on you to fill in the blanks. And the modern writers are like, nope, here's some guts. 
You yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, with Frankenstein, when you can, when you consider it, it is really a scary story. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's there, the guy creates a monster, the monster's a serial killer. He kills Victor's family. I mean, that is kind of that frightening is, when you think about in it. In Victor's position, that is terrifying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I would think people like in Victor's, you know, city, that would be very mm-hmm. scary to them because they don't know, you know, who, right. who I might be if- next and. I'm just thinking, just thinking a lot, but I wonder if the issue is because it is so removed, like it is told through the letters, through the Victor, through the, you know, I wonder if it loses its scariness because it has been so removed from us. Yeah, I think that's true. And so maybe if somebody sees a movie, they might think that's scary because that's, you know, I I don't think there's a movie that includes like the letters with the, you know, with Mm -hmm, the Robert character. I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I haven't encountered that. Even the one I mentioned that, that, um, Penny Dreadful, they don't even, they don't include the Robert character. Yeah, and I'm sure most of the adaptations probably don't. So maybe maybe the movies are scary, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, and I, th- I think that's probably, you're probably right though, once you start removing the characters from the story themselves, mm-hmm. because now you're de- talking about a secondhand account and a thirdhand account, and now we're back to the firsthand account. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just trying to keep up with the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet if someone tried to read redo it from like Victor's point of view with a more modern take, I could be scared by it. Um, even though I, think I would that know if the somebody, ending. Yeah, I think if somebody made it today, I think somebody. I think there's so many good filmmakers; they probably could really mm-hmm. make it terrifying. But you just take the story like, itself and update it. Yeah, you'd have to like just make it like really dark and really personal. Like just yeah. just coming from my like is told through the letters, through the story, through the story, inside the story. Like I think if you just made it really dark and gritty and up close, I think it could yeah. very well be scary. So Yeah. And I think because I think today that still stands that we're all ter- you know, there's cloning and there's a lot of things that could happen and at some point, you know, maybe somebody can make a man. We mm-hmm. don't know. I mean it's it's fine. Maybe somebody has, we just don't know it yet. So I think that the basic idea that somebody can create a man at their own hand is still something that could happen or might happen in our society mm-hmm. so i think it still has a lot of value and, and i th- and i wonder now that i'm just thinking about it you know they talk there's a lot of you know using using nature as part of the background of like the adding the fear and maybe that's been done so much since she did it that that doesn't scare us anymore because that's just kind of the foreshadowing we read about all the time right in a lot of stories right there's this Uh there's a storm how many horror movies do you go Mm -hmm. to there's a storm it always happens at night yeah mary shelley was a pioneer i mean i I doubt she created it because i was talking with someone else someone different recently and we were talking about how the original story like there's always the same story so i doubt she created it but she definitely was a pioneer in this genre and so a yes. lot of people have drawn from her. Yes. And I think that that may be why today reading it, it's not as scary as it might be. It might, might have, have been. been. Have been. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, I mean, and I don't even want to say, obviously she wasn't writing cliches because she, she's the first she one the cliche, that did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She created it. So she's the original, but today, you know, how many times do you read a story where, you know, it's, it's a dark and stormy night, uh-huh. right? Dot, dot, dot. 
And she literally did that. And so maybe that's not scary to us because it's been oh, we've read so about much that because so her many story times. was so successful that everybody else tried to copy her. Exactly, exactly. Or at least parts of it are, are trying to take some of the symbolism from it. And I mean, because there's a lot there worth stealing, <laughs> honestly, a lot of ideas and the foreshadowing, yeah. the symbol. Because I mean, nobody wants to have a horror movie on a Sunday, sunny Sunday afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not really how those usually start. Although that would be a great way to start. Yeah. That should be. Turn that on its head. I got to write that down. <laughs> well, now you have a story idea. Right. And I got to write a short story for my class. So maybe I'll do that. (laughs) There you go. Frank, I'll call it Frankenstein in the afternoon. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I I need a copy of the short story now, please. When you're done writing it, please email it to me and I will file it away, please. You might be the only one to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure your professor would read it, right? Yes, I think he would. Or at least I don't know what he would say. Right. I don't know what he would say about it, but I should, I should pitch it to him and see what he thinks. <laughs> That'd be a fun like thesis project. I don't know. My brain is going in weird directions now. Oh, yeah. Mine too. All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> well, this has been fun. We are nearing our hour mark, yes. so it is time to say goodbye. Okay. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. This was fun. We should do it again sometime. We'll have to read, not Dracula, but something else. (laughs) How about I'll let you pick it this next time and then I'll, and I'll read it and I'll be, and I will talk about it. It'd be fun. I'd love to do it again. That sounds excellent. We will put that in the books. We'll plan it out. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Join me next time when I'm going to talk to Danielle Orsino about marketing her first book. Until then, keep reading, keep writing, and go do what you do best. You got this. Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Z. Barth. Theme music was written and performed by Jay Hunger. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. Special thanks to Beth Lee and all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. And that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, read, and write on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, drop me a line. I'm always open to suggestions. Also, did you know that Read and Write publishes three episodes a week? Check out the podcast's YouTube channel for Write With Me Mondays live streams and 30-second book reviews on Fridays.